Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. All right, so today we're continuing our message on the servant life. I'm going to hit it from a whole different angle that maybe you've never seen before. I have this conviction that our minds, and when I talk about the mind today, I'm not talking just about our intellect. Intellects are great. We should, should work and develop our intellect as a gift from God. But I'm talking about our spiritual mind. We have the mind of Christ. So the way we think and perceive. I have a belief that is that, that gift from God is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to the world, is a renewed mind. And I have this conviction that we can so cultivate our mind that we do have the mind of Christ. That, that, that is a faith statement and a reality, that you have the mind of Christ. Because I know during the week you could think that you have anything but the mind of Christ. It's plagued with doubt, unbelief, questioning. Some people's minds are tormented. And we, when we say we have the mind of Christ deep in your heart, you're saying, you're yeah, right, <laughs> if only. But I have this conviction that God is training his people to take absolute control over every single thought that passes through your mind. Did you hear that? That's astounding. That he expects us to so cultivate and, and mature our minds that every single thought is filtered through this concept that we have the mind of Christ. Now, you can't control what thoughts come into your mind at times, but you can control and take leadership over your mind as to what it does with those thoughts. And the more control we get over our mind in the renewal of our mind, the less that you'll find the enemy bombarding your mind. And my theory today is that as we develop our mind, that becomes the greatest gift of service to our world. Now, we're called to serve with tea and coffee and shaking hands and being kind and giving money. And these are all great and valid things, and we must do them. It's part of our serving to God that we look out for the interests of others, that we serve them. A glass of water to a righteous man or a prophet, you get a righteous man or a prophet's reward. It's so important that we serve in what people may see as mundane, trivial things, but they're so important to God. Nothing is missed by God. Did you hear that? Not one act of kindness is missed by him. But I want you to know today that you and I have this privilege of cultivating our minds so they would be the greatest gift of service to our city. What this city needs as much as glasses of water is a church that has a transformed mind. And they use that to serve our city. So turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I'm talking today about using or putting my mind to work. Putting my mind to work. It's time for your mind to start work in the kingdom. No more lazy minds. No more distracted minds. No more fleshly minds. No more doubting minds. No more small minds. No more. No more. You've actually got to get up and shake yourself and say, I will not allow that thought train to persist in my mind. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. You're not a victim. You're a powerful man and woman of God. So we put our mind to work. This city is desperate for me to get my mind in order. Because I've told you before, you're known for two things in the world, the problems you create and the problems you solve. The church has created problems and now we're called to solve problems. So for that to happen, my mind must be put to work. Everything that God does on earth will come through the renewed mind. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you today. Say with me, I have the mind of Christ. I'm going to hit this hard today, all right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who was in the form of God. He thought it not robbery to be equal to God. So in other words, Jesus had the most brilliant mind. 
he had the, the same mind that God had. So he brings this mind to earth. And we see here in verse 7 that then he takes on the form of a servant. The most effective servant is one that has the mind of Christ. Did you hear me? The most effective servant in our city is one whose mind has been radically transformed to think like God thinks. So firstly, the mind of man. When I say man, I include women. Okay, It's a generic term. When Adam fell, one of the great things he lost was the ability to think like God. And when Jesus came, he said, I've come to seek and save that which was lost. And one of the primary things we lost is the ability to think like God thinks. Think about that. 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that because of Jesus and his death on the cross, one of the great treasures he has given us is the very mind of Christ to think like Jesus thinks. You and I have the mental capacity to think like God, to think like him. And one of the reasons that God created man and woman on earth was that he wanted to bring heaven to earth and he wanted a man and a woman to reason and think with and communicate with. So God created men and women so they would entertain his very thoughts. What a gift that he would create you and I so we would pick up and understand the way he thinks. He wants to share his mind with us. God does. Do you know, it says in Hebrews 8 verse 10 that God is establishing a new covenant through Christ. And he says that he would write his laws in our mind and on our heart. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And one of the benefits, one of the great benefits of being a son and daughter of God is that God begins to communicate to us a way of thinking. Most people are surprised when you say that God thinks, but he does. He's a thinking God. And everything he's done, everything he's created has come out of this fact that God thinks. You see, the church in, in times past, and maybe even, to, even today, particularly the Pentecostal, the evangelical church, we tend to major on things of the Spirit and the anointing and, you know, just one more touch from God and everything will be changed. And, and to a degree, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. But let me tell you today that, that you can be touched by God, you can be anointed by God, you can have someone lay their hands on you. But the critical question is, do you think like Him? That's the issue. For every kingdom reality will flow through the renewed mind. The enemy is so afraid today that you'll begin to understand that you can think like God. John the Baptist. I was reading about him and he was a thorn in the side of Herod. Herod loved, loved to hear him, but he was a thorn in his side. And many of you know the story that, that there was a woman that had a relationship with him, Herodias, and, and she really detested John the Baptist. Her daughter danced before Herod, and he made this crazy comment that whatever you want, I will give you up, even up to half of my kingdom. So when she was offered that, they chose instead of half the kingdom, they chose John the Baptist's head. So that tells me something. John's head was equal in value to half of the kingdom. That's how much threat the mind of Christ is in the life of one believer. That the enemy would trade half the kingdom for one man's head. It's because the enemy is threatened 
by the renewed mindset. So they beheaded John the Baptist because he's afraid that you'll begin to think like God. See, he's not so much afraid that you come up the front and get a zap and I'm all for zapping. Some people need a lot of those. And there's a place for that, that we need to encounter God in his presence. But unless that flows through to a renewed mind, you're not going to be a great deal of threat to the enemy. He wants to change the way you think. God wants to change the way you think. Jeremiah verse, chapter 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The mind and the soul has a tremendous purpose in the kingdom of God. It's one that the church is only now just beginning to discover because for years we have segregated the renewed mind, the soul, to something over there that we talk about occasionally. But the mind has a great purpose in all of the kingdom. Jeremiah says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I've told you before, but it's worth saying again, that in the scripture, women, one of the things about women is that they're a picture of our soul, the way we think, feel, and choose. Men are a picture of our spirit man. Do you remember I said that God never healed a woman of blindness and he never healed a man of impotence? And the reason being is that our soul isn't designed to see in the spirit. It's designed to incubate what we see in the spirit. Our spirit is designed to see in the spirit. That's why God heals men's eyes and recreates women's womb. Because our soul, our mind is, is, is meant to take hold of what our spirit perceives from God and our renewed mind begins to develop that and grow that until it becomes a reality on the earth. So I say about the soul and the spirit just before we go forward. Your assignment and purpose is hidden in your spirit, man, awaiting discovery. Every single person here has an assignment and a calling from God, and your mind will never figure it out. It's not going to be figured out there. It's going to be figured out by the spirit of your spirit connecting with God's spirit. Isaiah 48, 17 says, I, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. I will lead you by the way you should go. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So our spirit man is to receive guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit. As we pray in the Spirit, we're praying mysteries. God is beginning to reveal to us things to come. He's showing us things. And every direction from God is going to come from His Spirit to our spirit. You can't figure it out with your head. So you need to understand that. The purpose of your mind is not to figure out what God has told you to do, not to conjure up some sort of plan. That comes from God's spirit to our spirit. And there are many Christians who are stuck, lacking direction and purpose in their life. And that's not a function of the soul. It's a function of your spirit, man, to get alone with God and say, God, show me, direct me, show me what you want to do in my life. Bartimaeus is stuck on the road, begging. He's blind. He can't see. He doesn't know his direction. And he hears that Jesus is coming by. And I sense in my spirit even today that Jesus is stopping by people that are blinded, that you're lacking purpose and direction. Even this week, this month, this year, you've been saying, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? You're not going to figure it out in your head. You're going to figure it out as your spirit man begins to communicate with his spirit. And Jesus stops and he says to Bartimaeus, what is it you want from me? And Bartimaeus says, I want you to cause me to see. And the moment Jesus healed him, he says he got up and he began to pursue and follow Jesus. He got direction from Jesus because his sight was renewed. And God wants to do that in your life. He wants to quicken your spirit so you see what it is you're meant to do. 
Every single day he wants to direct you. So that's the role of the Spirit. But our soul then carries those seeds of purpose when God speaks to us and we begin to perceive it. Our soul then begins to carry this seed and it keeps expanding and expanding until the time of delivery. It is the incubator of the promises of God. That's why the Bible says the two will become one flesh. Did you get that? When the soul and spirit come into intimacy. That's, yeah. See, that's what Paul means by be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's when the soul and the spirit, if we use that term, come into, into like union together and they give birth to something. It can't happen just in the spirit. So some people exercise their spirit, man, but their soul is just it's not developed. They haven't nurtured it. So their mind's all out of control. They hear from God, but their mind's crazy. And then it believes, like Shay said, you know, it, it believes lies. It believes all sorts of things, and they don't control it. They don't take action over it. They let it to run amok. And it's time to stop letting your mind run amok. You have the mind of Christ. Did you hear me? You have the mind of Christ. You're not a victim. See, the enemy has told some of you, that's just the way it is with you. You are destined to think like this. You can't do anything about it. He's a liar. Did you hear that? He's a liar. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, anything that the devil says, turn it around 180 degrees, and that's the truth. He is a liar. He's a father of lies. And when he lies, he speaks of his own resources. He is a liar. So when he says you can't change, it means you're destined to change. When he tells you that you'll never think like Christ, you are destined to think like him. When he says you're a loser, it means you're a winner. In fact, he's actually telling you your destiny. He's been trapped. Our soul facilitates the mind of God on earth. And that's why Satan has... Have you wondered why Satan on earth has always tried to dominate, subdue, terrorize, put into slavery women? Why does he do that? Well, we know at the beginning that Genesis 3, because of the curse, there was a war then between Satan and the woman, between her seed and him. He's afraid that the seed in the woman will come and destroy him, will grow up, the promise will grow and take him down. He hates the fact that the woman carries in her womb a seed to overthrow him. But take it further, if the woman is a picture of the soul, it wants to put your soul in slavery, suppress you, dominate you, control you, manipulate you, bully you. It's a picture of us, of what he's doing right throughout the earth. He is manipulating, controlling, bullying the minds of God's people. Because he knows that if you get your mind right, the promise will grow and take him down. So he comes after your mind to bully it. Well, I wish I had more time to talk about men and women and the covering that the man gives the woman. It's a picture of the covering that our spirit gives our soul. He knows the power of a renewed mind. Remember John's head. He knows it. He knows that if you get your mind right, he's finished. He's finished. He's finished. For the weapons of our warfare aren't fleshly weapons, but they're mighty in God to pull down strongholds. We start casting down thoughts and high things that acknowledge themselves or exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Think about that. Every thought that goes through your head, we can bring captive to the obedience of Christ. No, that is not what God said. I don't care how I feel. Feelings come and go, but this is what God has said to be true about my life. Our mind, renewed by God, can take those thoughts captive. And when our obedience is full, 
It goes on to say, then we're ready to punish all disobedience. When I gain authority in my mind, when my mind is renewed, I gain authority over nations and cities. So we've got to get this mind thing right. We can't serve our city fully until our minds are renewed. Because it's going to come out of my mind such vast solutions so my spirit will pick up things from God's spirit. And if my mind has not been renewed, it will reject what my spirit is saying. That's why God was so angry when, when men would emit their semen on the ground. Because the womb was designed to take this, the seed and bring it to birth. And God would get incredibly angry because it's a picture that he wants while he's in the spirit of man to be embraced by our soul and brought into reality. And most believers have no idea between the connection of the spirit and the soul coming in together in unity. So our quest is one of the renewed mind. Ephesians 2, sorry, 4.23 from the Amplified says, we are to be constantly renewed in the spirit of our mind. The expression of our mind is such a powerful thing because you are the expression of your mind. And the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts. The quality of my life around me is a direct reflection of the quality of my thoughts. Ouch. Ouch. So you mean to say that I've been creating the world that I'm in? No, I didn't say that. He said it. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. <coughs> Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you would prove to the world, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? 30, 60, 100 fold. That's your job. He says you can do it. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I will use you to prove to all the world that the way the Father thinks is the right way. It will bring life and health and blessing. God is letting you know today that you can do it. You can make it happen. You're not a victim. You're not vulnerable. You're not... You're not Someone has been overcome, but you can renew your mind. It is the one great quest that God has given you. One of the gifts that you'll give Jesus is the gift of a renewed mind. I did it, Lord. I think like you. As I said before, I don't want to get to heaven and that, that, that leap from earth to heaven. There has to be a whole lot of change, you know, like you go through this spiritual zapper and all of a sudden, God renews your mind and updates a whole lot of things before you can get into heaven. I want it to be seamless. Just one thought. Just one step. Because we have the mind of Christ. Mark 4 is the parable of the sower and the seed in the soil. That God is a sower and he's looking for people with a capacity to receive his thoughts and to birth it on the earth. Think about that. Many of you have read that parable. But it's, this parable is the beginning of the kingdom. Jesus said, get this, you'll get everything. If you don't get this, you'll get nothing. But God is sowing seed, his thoughts, and he's looking for people that will receive his thoughts and then take those thoughts and multiply them. So he tries three different people, but their thoughts are too shallow. They're at home worried, obsessed by themselves, they're at home watching TV, spending way too much time on Facebook. They're at home doing all sorts of crazy things, and their minds are out of control. So the thoughts of God come to them, but they're aborted. Birds steal it, too shallow, refuse to think, refuse to allow their mind to be renewed. Give God a little scrap here and then expect their minds to be renewed. They will not wrestle with the things of the kingdom. They will not enlarge their capacity of their soul. So when God begins to speak to them, there's something to grab hold of. Yeah. You've got to nurture the soil in your heart. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Like Shay said today, you've got to nurture it. 
cultivate it. So when God thinks it's not a big jump, it's natural. Yes and amen. The spirit and the soul dancing together in harmony, not out of time with each other, not out of sync with each other. But our spiritual minds have to have a calibration so, so God can speak. I use this analogy that our soul is like a runway and the Spirit of God is like a plane and he's wanting to land on the runway of our soul. But so many souls have got ditches and holes and, and, and you know, sand where it should be bitumen. And so he can't land on our mind because our minds have not been prepared for the things, the deep things, deep calling to deep. So he wants to come and speak to you. But how can he speak to people who blame everyone else? Or feel like they're victims? Who refuse to think big? Who grapple over giving $3? And he's come with big thoughts. And God's not going to downsize his thoughts to fit in your small mind. He won't do it. Amen? See, if my mind is too small to accommodate the things of God that I desire, even if I were to receive them, my mind, like a thermostat, would pull everything back to the comfort level of my current thinking. Even if God were to give you what you wanted, it wouldn't be too long before our current level of thinking would pull everything back to fit within the way that we currently think. It's like a thermostat. So God's not going to reduce his mind. So it's up to us to upgrade our mind, to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Enlarge, he says, enlarge, enlarge, enlarge. Grapple, think, question. Think. There's a thought. See, the fulfillment of God's plans and thoughts, here's, a, here's a, something to think on, is not time-dependent, but mind-dependent. So when God comes with you with a promise, sometimes you think, well, we've just got to wait. You've seen, I've seen people wait for callings all their life who were called to be a prophet or whatever when they were 20, and it was a valid calling, but now they're 60 and 70, and they're still waiting for God to do something, as if it's time-dependent. It's mind-dependent, not time-dependent. So what God's called you to do, it's not that it's failed. It's not that God has changed his mind. He's waiting for you to upgrade your mind. Enlarge your capacity, flex your womb, so you can take what God has said and bring it to birth. The waiting period is for the increasing of your mind. That's what it's about. He wants you to change the way you think. He wants you to upgrade the way you think. And that's why it says in Mark 4, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain in the head. So God's thoughts come into my spirit so the seed is buried under the ground. As my mind begins to grow with the concepts of God, then comes out a blade. Is some visible evidence in my life that what God has said is becoming a reality to me. Then the head... And then the full grain in the head. That's when the seed on the outside is identical to the seed that was planted underneath. The seed in the full head is the exact same seed. Think about it. As the original thought that God gave me. That means that if God was here on earth, I'm doing exactly what he would have done. The way he would have done it. My outer world has become a living reality of that initial thought that God gave me. And that's all to do that I have allowed my mind, my spiritual mind to expand with this seed inside me. It grows and grows and grows and then it gives birth. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. 
And he's waiting on you to change the way you think, to upgrade the way you think, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to take every thought captive. See, there are thoughts coming against you and they're all about aborting the seed. Well, no, no, you, you've actually got power. I rebuke every lie of the enemy that says that you just have to roll over. It's too hard, too late, all over. No, it's not. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He who called you, he shall perform it. He's faithful to his word. And the moment you shake yourself loose and come to your senses like the prodigal son, God begins to move. The moment you stand up, all of heaven stands to attention. The moment you say, I am going to think right, God begins to work again. It's like his clock gets set. It's like it pauses when you stop thinking right. It's not time dependent. It's mind dependent. You control to a degree the timings of God by the way you think. He's waiting on you to upgrade the way you think. He says, come let us reason. Though your sins be like scarlet, be white as snow. And he goes on to say in Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. To eat the good of the land, you've got to reason with God. And here's, here's, a, here's an amazing fact. You've actually got to go before God and begin to communicate with him and ask him to upgrade the way you think. You've got to wrestle with him. You've got to question. Not just read, but you've got to think. You've got to go away and ponder. The forgotten art of meditation in the church is a tragedy that we've stopped thinking and questioning and going back. And if you ask Karen, I will, I will be reading my Bible, I'll get a thought and I'll walk around my room, I'll bugger, I'll say, guess what God's saying? She's, and I may be doing the cooking and I'll rabbit off something and I'll go around, I'll walk around in circles again, and the light bulb will come on and I'm pondering and chewing and thinking. That's the way our minds are renewed. It's not going to come watching days of our lives or... Or around people that, that question God. It's not going to come from moaning and griping and complaining. It comes as you get the word and you begin to meditate. God, change me. Speak to me. What does it you mean when you say that? The deep changes in our life come from the questioning and the reasoning with God, with the pondering, with the God, with the, with the anguish of our heart, with with going to bed with unanswered prayers and unanswered questions, and waking up and going back again until I get my breakthrough. But it's worth it because if we're going to serve this city, it comes from renewed minds. They're able to think the big thoughts of God. You think God was altogether like you, but he's not. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways like your ways. Let, them, let not that be the reality of our life forever. Because he wants his thoughts to be our thoughts. He wants to upgrade our minds to think and converse like him. Yeah. Psalm 119 verse 99 says, I have a better understanding and a deeper insight than all my teachers because your testimonies are my meditation. I meditate on them. See, no one can do it for you. You have seeds from God that only you can bring to birth. I can't do it for you. I can encourage you. I can show you the concepts. But you've got to wrestle with God for the expansion of your own womb. And that's a whole story about sing, O barren woman. You have not given travail. For more are the children of the barren woman than the children of the married. The barren woman has a promise. God says, I want you to sing. I'm going to enlarge you. I'm going to enlarge you. And all this, my desire is to enlarge you and make you great. So we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, what most people think as impossible with God, those thoughts that you're having today that, that this would be impossible for me to do, they're only impossible because your mind can't think it. I know that's... Life-changing, but it's true. 
The things that you say God can't do through you, I could never have that. I could never be that. I could never say that. I could never have this influence. It's only impossible today because your mind can't conceive it. It's not impossible to God. You're not the problem, you see. Like, look, I, I could do a lot, but you just don't cut it. That's, that's not the issue. The issue is the way you think. And my job, one of my jobs as your leader, your pastor, is to upgrade the way you think. So we're not groveling down, groveling down in small-mindedness. The church has been great at that. Go back and read, you know, the old church bulletins, you know, potluck dinners and car boot sales and, you know, bingo nights and small-minded people. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how it doesn't do God's heading. Give me someone to talk to, someone who thinks my thoughts. No wonder God went looking for a friend. My eyes are looking all out. Somebody that will think like me. Abraham. Oh. <laughs> oh. We've downsized him to this minute religious little icon. When he says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. We've reduced him down to potluck dinners. So your limitations... All your impossibilities are not a result of your environment. They are a result of your mind. Your mind. Which means every problem places a demand on you to change the way you think. Interesting, isn't it, that in Luke chapter 19, God, and I know maybe you may not like this, but God calls people, listen, wicked. Now, we associate wickedness with, you know, all those bad things that people do, shooting people and pornography and all sorts of things. But look at what he calls wicked. He goes to servants and he gives them, you know, 10 coins, five, two, whatever it is, down to one. And they take their giftings and callings and things that God has given them and they cultivate it. And the only way you cultivate your giftings is by the renewing of your mind. That's how you do it. You begin to think like God. So what God says becomes a reality inside you. You're big enough to contain the reality of God's thoughts for you. Now, the one that's called wicked buries what God gives him. He refuses to use his mind. He refuses to renew his mind. He says, I know you as being a hard man. That's an unrenewed mind. You're a bully. You call me to do something and you don't equip me for it. You put me on the wrong side of town. You gave me the wrong parents. And on and on it goes. You, my mother burnt my teddy bear. And I've never recovered. And God says, well, you've got a point about the last one. He says they're wicked, wicked, wicked people who receive from God, who have the mind of Christ, but refuse to renew their minds. And he takes what belongs to them and gives it to another. So everyone who doesn't use their mind, it's all stored up for those that do use their mind. And then we point at them and say, it's not fair. Look how God's used that person and that person. They're just using what God gave them and renewing their mind. Here's the thought about money. If you want to prosper, don't pursue money. Pursue wisdom and knowledge. Lord, increase the way I think. One of my goals is to change, by God's grace, the way God's people think about money and increase and success. We can't reach a city without money. We can't do God's job without money. We're not a reflection of the greatness of the Father heart of God towards his children if we're constantly broke and scraping by. And so it's not the pursuit of money, it's the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge to think the way God thinks. See, if I upgrade my mind to believe that God wants to bless me and he gives me all this scope, 
then God can sow seeds that my mind will embrace and nurture and bring to life. But if I have a mindset that says God doesn't love me, doesn't want to bless me, wants me broke, it's more blessed to be poor than to be rich, that it's not a curse, it's actually a blessing to go without, it reflects the great nature of God, blah, 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 blah. Then what can God do with his thoughts in my mind? It's a father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says, I'm going to give you a hundredfold in this life. In this life. In this life. Oh, in the sweet by and by. No, he says, in this life. He says, if you've left houses and mothers and brothers and motor cars and great jobs, whatever it is, for my sake in the kingdom, I will repay a hundredfold in this life with persecution. That's from all the other Christians who are jealous. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. And in the life to come. So I enlarge my mind to think like God thinks. It's my great quest, the renewal of my mind. The crown of life is a new way of thinking. It's not as a man gives, sorry he becomes, as a man thinks. Giving is important. Giving is an outflow of right thinking. But I say to people, you can tithe all your life and always be broke. Tithing is not a magical cure. Like, wow. If it was, everyone would do it. Even the wicked, they'd tithe if it was magical. But it's not magical. It's an outflow of right thinking. It's as a man thinks, so he becomes. Your giving doesn't prosper you. Your thinking prospers you. And a prospered mindset gives. Because they know it's more blessed to give than receive. Jabez says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge me. The blessing comes from the enlargement, from the increase of my life to sustain all that God wants to give me. How amazing is that? I've got here, no matter how much a poor person gives to get rich, no matter how many people lay their hands on them and anoint them with oil, if they continue to think poor thoughts, they will remain poor. So today I'm asking you to put your mind to work. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, here's my theory. The Apostle John, the only one to write three epistles, which is a picture of first day, second day, third day church. There's so many analogies we could pack there. But he talks about the child, the son, and the father. And surely if we are the end time church, it is imperative that we don't act like children. We're in the wrong epistle. We are the mature. All of creation is not looking for more Christians. There's plenty of them. And they're not groaning for more Christians. They're groaning for the revelation and the release of the sons of God. That's what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration it was like a high point. And what was revealed on the mountaintop was sonship is the final outcome. And God leads Peter, Jesus leads Peter, James and John up the mountain. A picture of maturity, of the end time church coming into maturity. And it's all about our minds are being renewed to think like God. That's why Isaac, the son, the promise... He was renowned for his meditation. He thought like a son. So God's asking you to upgrade the way you think. Hebrews 11.3. It says, by faith, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. So everything we see was not made out of things that appear. So once our minds are being stretched, we can begin to receive the plans of God. Think about this. 
This is a concept to think about. The thoughts of God expressed through my life become a framework for my city. Think about that. Think about the words of God, the thoughts of God that come to me, that are birthed by me. It says the world was framed by the word of God. So if you imagine our city as like a tent, and the tent's just on the ground, there's nothing there. And our renewed mind speaks the word, releases the word, and that word comes under the tent. It speaks the word and the tent is framed. And it begins to take shape. See, our city will take shape as we relay the thoughts and mind and the very mind of God to our city. It comes through our renewed soul. We begin to speak out the word and live it out. And it begins to lift our city up. That's why the earth is in a fallen system. It's flat. It's awaiting the sons of God who will begin to live out that word and frame our city. This is what the kingdom looks like. So without that, our city is flat. It's fallen. It's a fallen system. It's framed by the word of God. Yeah. Sons and daughters of God frame it because their minds are renewed and they begin to speak the word into reality. You frame your world. This is what God is asking us to do. And it all comes through a renewed, a renewed mindset that carries the word of God in our heart, that thinks his thoughts. Imagine you serving your city, your workplace, your family, your street. Everywhere where you see things that have fallen, you begin to speak life. You carry the mind of God. You see from his perspective. Problem solvers frame fallen systems. They lift them up, give them perspective. We have the mind of Christ. This is not some nebulous thing. This is something we go after intentionally. I want to think your thoughts today. Recalibrate my mind, renew it, enlarge it, increase it. So whatever you say, I can bring to birth. I can nurture and carry. I won't say, not me. I couldn't do it. My mind is so enlarged that anything that you say, I can say yes. That's what it means to say yes and amen. Yes and amen. It's a divine dance between the soul and the spirit, between heaven and earth, coming into alignment, into agreement. We either empower the enemy with our thoughts we empower God with our thoughts. So I want my mind to be like a vast ocean where God comes and he swims in it. He speaks to me. It's a place where every thought from God has free access to flow. I want my mind to be like a... And it locks out every negative, unclean, diminishing thought where I take authority, actively take authority over. You're going to have to do it. You have to come against it, take authority, and nurture your renewed mind. Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This city is counting on it. You serve your city with your mind. You'll be known for the problems you solve or the problems you create. Uncluttered, evil, unrenewed minds create problems. Renewed minds solve problems. Could we be a problem-solving church? Imagine a whole year where no problems were brought in because they're all solved by each and every one of us. I have the mind of Christ. I can solve that. I'm the answer to the problem. So why don't you lift up your hands with me today? I want you right now to think about the way you've been thinking, about your mind. I want you to think about whether your mind is positioned to receive the full thoughts of God for you and your world, or whether you've been limiting God. Think about that. God loves you. God's gave, given you a brilliant mind, not just naturally uh, IQ. It's not just, I'm talking about the spirit of your mind. He's, it's brilliant. The ability to pick up the things of God, and nurture them and bring them to the fullness. It's brilliant. You have a crown of life. You have a new way of thinking. The moment the Holy Spirit comes inside you, there's an upgrade in the spirit of your mind.
So, Father, I pray today that you would help your people, empower your people to find control and dominion over every lie and dark thought of the enemy. I rebuke every work of the enemy that seeks to steal and kill and destroy, that seeks to diminish people's mindsets and frustrate them and disappoint them and discourage them. I bind every negative, sinful, dark thought that comes against the bride of Christ. I rebuke those thoughts in Jesus' name. Father, over every mind, let there be a covering of the blood of Jesus that protects their minds, that, that Lord, is, is like a, a, a gateway over their mind that pushes wrong things out and allows the right thing in. I decree over your people that they have the brilliant mind of Christ to think the thoughts of heaven. Enlarge them today to begin to see what you see, to perceive what you perceive. Lord, enlarge them today so their hearts would be like that hundredfold soil, Lord God, that when your thoughts come, there is an immediate yes and amen. There's not a questioning, but there's a yes, Lord, a yes and amen, because they begin to think like you. As they read your word, Lord, nourish their minds, enlarge them, challenge false concepts and false ideas. Show them today that they are a new creation, that the old has passed and the new has come. I bless their mind with increase and success and joy and gladness. I break in Jesus' name every stronghold that the enemy has set up, every lie that has minimized their hearts and their minds, that's caused them to live a less than life. Lord, today we offer you our minds as servants in this harvest. Would you speak through us and think through us as a gift to this city? We shall serve this city with our mind. We will put our minds to work in Jesus' name. Thank you. Now, I want you to imagine right now the Lord coming through your mind. He's visiting your mind. He's upgrading, renewing it, strengthening it. Just thank him for that. All those wrong thoughts and ideas and patterns, the cycles. Some of you have been going through cycles where you're good for a week and you're down for two. Those cycles have been broken in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Consistency of thought is your gift from God today. In Jesus' name.